With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon, and as promised, a second episode of the week. Uh, coming thick and fast. And uh, it's an interview with Robert Milkins. Uh, really interesting to talk to Rob. Obviously, he won Gibraltar Open last season after a bit of a low point at the Turkish Masters, to say the least. But in general, his season had been going badly. He'd only won three matches going to Gibraltar. So he was struggling badly, but it all came together for him. But we don't just talk about that. We talk about his whole career. It's been one like most players, of ups and downs, but he's kept going, and after all these years, he's got his reward. Hope you enjoy it. One thing to say is uh, that the room we did it in, the aircon was louder than I realised at the time, but uh, don't let that put you off. Uh, you'll get used to it, I'm sure. What would the podcast be without uh, extraneous background noise? It's very much the selling point that I think other snooker podcasts, frankly, need to work towards. <laughs> anyway, hope you enjoy the interview with Robert, and uh, here it comes. Rob, I always like to start by asking players how they got into snooker. What was your way in? Uh, I used to go to the pub when I was a young kid with my dad. Um, they had the, like, like the kids' side of the room. Because kids were in the pubs back in those days, but kids had a sort of a pool room, sort of a social room, really. And I started playing pool, and it, there was quite a, it was quite a big place for pool. Like you know, there was a lot of good players in there. You chalk your name up on the board, and if you, if you lost, you there'd be 15 names so you wouldn't get back on and it started from there really and then on on the weekends my dad started going to the social club where my mum worked um, she worked in nuclear electric and, but they had a lovely social club there and they had two, two uh, full size big tables and I started playing on them um, and that was it really I just started from then my, my dad didn't play um, it, I didn't really come from nowhere else it just, just happened to be with him all the time and um, made the most of it, really. And you often talked about it as a natural talent. Did, did you did you just take to it straight away? Or? Pretty much so. Um, I used to just like play so much. It was, you know, when you're a kid, you know, I just had that determination just to keep playing and playing and playing. And I just, it wasn't a chore. It would, it just come naturally. I mean, this this happened up to the age of about twenty, twenty-one, really. I mean, even when I moved from 
Bristol to Gloucester when I was 17 and I went into I don't know if you remember Nick Pierce, mm-hmm. um, his dad's club and that, his dad used to say brush your tables in the morning you could have free table time I'd be in there all day without absolutely no problems at all like seven eight hours straight through mm-hmm. um, and obviously you keep putting time like that in and you're playing against players like Nick Pierce and you're gonna you're gonna improve because I, I was I was. I didn't like it, you know, I didn't like picking balls out. I mean, that's the best way of learning, picking balls out for someone. And then um, I didn't really like it. And then I gradually got to him, uh, to his standards. And then turned pro. And I was, I should have turned pro the year before, really. I made a big mistake because I was ready to go the year before. And in the end, it cost me because I got to about 90 in the world after two years. But then they changed the system. They they closed it up. But I would have been in the 64, Mm -hmm. I think. You know, if I'd have turned that year, year before, I'd have definitely been in there. And I sort of messed around in the qualifying, like went out most nights, just just like, was going through a rough time. Um, and it cost me, cost me a year. So went on to the UK tour as it was then, and got straight back on. And that was it, really. And yeah. I haven't been, I've been on ever since. Yeah, I was going to ask you about like your first year. Obviously, I know you'd had a family bereavement. Um, yeah. So it's obviously very difficult. You know, it's your dream to be a snooker player, but you know, people have real lives as well, and it's difficult maybe to concentrate on snooker. Like yeah. so you say, you've spoken before. You know, you took a bit of refuge in, in, in drinking. Well, yeah, I did. I mean, to be to be fair, like my mum died the day before my very first pro match, so I literally no mobile phones then. Had the phone call, she's passed away. Um, Um, just impactful. I come back. Um, I played six matches. I I uh, I won all six, and then come back for the funeral. Went back, played eighteen. Went, no, lost me next two, and then won eighteen in a row. I, I was I was quite I was lucky really because I was away from it all. I didn't want to be there, you know. I um I I just couldn't. And um, back in those days, I was in a B&B with a load of lads that were, I remember when I was like a bed, breakfast, evening meal for 12 quid. And Pat, who had it, she was brilliant. So she she used to just look after us. And um, I was away from everything, you know. And that was probably the best thing I could have done because I couldn't cope being, being at home. Also, like a lot of um, sort of people in their teens, they go to university and they, they're away from home so it's a different environment isn't it um, do, do you think sometimes maybe players sometimes turn pro a bit too young or they're not maybe guided into how to behave and, and so on I just think it's tough on the players nowadays um, they, they ain't got what we had I mean I used to walk in my snooker club I had seven or eight hundred break players to play against and now there's two or three under breakers in, in, in the county, let alone in the snooker club. It just isn't the same. We had tournaments every weekend, Willie Fawns, Erlinson, uh, Strikers, just so many tournaments, um, so many tournaments. It was a, it was brilliant. It was so good back then. Um, and now they haven't got that. I mean, pros nowadays, they, like, I'm, I'm, I'm as bad myself. They, they lose a match and they'll have two weeks off. 
back then you didn't. You lost your match. You was back on the table the yeah. next day. You know, yeah. so very difficult from there. And, that's, and obviously with all the snooker clubs shut in, they haven't they haven't really got nowhere to play. They, you know, that was how we all got like pretty much streetwise back in the day as well, being in snooker clubs. Now it's all academies, and it? it's not quite the same. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, you, that you, you actually won quite a few matches, but then they cut the tour quite dramatically. So really, through no fault of your own, yeah. you're suddenly off the tour. I mean, what was that like? Um, well, I was young at the time, just living with my dad. Um, didn't really have kids. Well, I didn't have kids. Didn't didn't have no financial problems. Um, so it was all. It wasn't really that. It wasn't really that tough. I mean, obviously, if I fell off the tour, like last year, I had a real bad season up to Gibraltar, and this year. If, if I'd have fallen off the tour this year, which can't happen now, I don't think, but obviously then you've got three kids to supply. It's a bit different, you know. Well, when you're a 19 year old, you don't really care. I mean, I, used to, I didn't really, it didn't really used to bother me at Blackpool. And so many tournaments, if you lose the odd match, it didn't bother me. It was just the way it was, you know. So when did you sort of, because you became established on the tour, was there a point where you sort of thought, actually, you know, I, I, you're looking around, you think, actually, I'm better than a lot of these guys? Because everyone always says about you, we were just talking, me and Sean, we were doing your, your match, you know, mm. you've got one of the great walks around the table when you're playing well, you look like, you know, you own the place, which is a, quite intimidating, actually, for, for players. Yeah, I don't mean to walk like that, it's just the way it is. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good um, thing, it's a good thing. I've, no doubt I've missed the boat a little bit, you know, I, I, I think I was good when I was 19, 20, probably probably not as good as I think that I was um, but I did I, I, I thought it was good then but you know just messed about a little bit too much cost me a few times you know had the odd year out really and uh, there you go I mean you can't really do that in snooker you, you start taking the mick out of the game and, it, and it, it's going to bite you back you know and that's that's what's happened a couple of times but you know I was looking back, you, you made your debut at the Crucible 20 years ago now, 2002. You beat Fergal. Yeah. And I was just looking at the match, you were like 3 0 up in no time. I mean, a lot of players go there and really struggle because it's the Crucible. You, you didn't seem to. No, it was a good draw for me at the time because I, I rate Fergal very highly. But what you want when, you, when you're when you like first time at the Crucible, you want you want to be playing someone who's struggling. And Fergal, I think, was having a bad year that year. And he weren't no better than me anyway. So. Well, in my opinion, so that was a good draw. Um, made the most of it. But hammered the next match against Ronnie thirteen two, and it was a that was a that was a big lesson I learnt there. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, Fergal was a great player, but he, like I say, it was a good draw at the time. But you seem to like the, the crucible, the mystique, and all that. You seem to cope with all that very well. Yeah, it's, well, it might look that way, but probably my biggest downfall all, all through my career. Even last year, it's just self-belief, just no self-belief whatsoever. And you wouldn't believe that. Like, I mean, people look at him, oh, look at him cocky, fast. Uh, uh, but that's deep down inside. No, no belief. If you ain't got no belief, you must forget it. You know, if you think you're, if you're doubting yourself, nine times out of ten, you're going to lose. And I've had it all, all through my career. Uh, you know, I've seen it in other players as well. Some players they get get rid of it just like that, and other players don't. I mean. Jack Lazowski was struggling a few years ago and he was on about, he was saying to me about his safety and I said, mate, it's not even your safety. I said, you just don't got the belief. I said, why don't you get that self-belief and then look what happened. He got the self-belief and then all of a sudden that was it, you know. Why, why is that though, Rob? Because, you know, you played snook all your life to very high standards. People listening might, might think, why don't you have 
that belief in yourself? Well, do you know what? I, I think, like, recently I've had counselling. I'm not, not, like, you know, after Turkey and that, I thought, you know, I'm not very, not feeling that great, you know. And I went and had counselling, and one of the things the lady told me was, um, you care about what other people think too much. So when I'm struggling and I'm out there, all I'm thinking about is what the people are thinking of me. Mm. All, all the time that happens. Um, just, she said, just forget about it. Just try and, who cares about what they think? They're not thinking nothing, you know, just who cares? Mm. But all through my prayer, that's all I think about. Oh my, my God. Sometimes it's happened, play against, well, it's only really happened with Ronnie, but there's been certain stages against Ronnie a few times because I took quite a few pumpings off him where, I'm sort of hoping he don't miss because I don't really want to get back to the table. That's, that's not a good thing, that you know. I've heard other players say that, like Joe I Perry think, was. Joe yeah. Perry was saying that, and you know, you look at him and you think he's sort of, you know, even tempered. But it just shows you it's, it's such a psychological game. It's not just it's a game, yeah. Mm. But there's everything else going on as well. Isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, some players though they've got that, haven't they? I mean, probably not as talented as some players, but they they've got self belief. It's just something inside you, you know. But like winning Gibraltar last year, maybe that's maybe that's just um, triggered it for me because I was thinking the other day driving down the mountain, you know, that's like massive. That is winning a tournament. I mean, some players, I'm you know, I'm 46 now. I'm not kidding myself. I'm not saying I'm going to be winning a lot, but that might just be what I needed, you know. Got that little bit. I mean, might not. <laughs> Probably I'll end up, you know doing the same as before but you know it, it can only help I think you know when you win a tournament like that so you did uh, you did get in the top 16 of course you know when the Barry Hearn era started and, and there were more tournaments did you think maybe you'd turn the corner then because that's, that's a big deal you played at the Masters and so on yeah do you know what when I got in the top 16 again that year I mean I, I spent it cost how, how long probably eight, 18 years or, so, or whatever it was to get in the top 16 when I got in that year in the top 16 he changed the system so he opened it right up. Right. So, not really. It. And, and back then, when he opened it up, there was no. I don't even know if there was seeded. No, there was seeded. It was top 64 players, bottom 64. But that was. It was. It took me all that time, and then he, and then he changed it back to square one, really. Mm. But um, was it like playing at the Masters? I mean, that, you know, that's kind of a. Well, yeah, I, I played Ronnie there, mm. um, and Neil there. I mean, very tough both times. No different than anywhere else, really. I mean, no different than the Crucible. Um, if you get off, if you get off to a good start, you're probably all right. But both times, then actually, Neil's game was a bit of a struggle for both of us. It was quite close, but against Ronnie once again, I, I lost to him six-one. Then that was about a week after I lost to him six-nil in the last sixteen of the UK or something, you know, so not 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 the best draw in the world, is it? Like, yeah, those those time, those days I was just thinking, oh my god, don't draw Ronnie looking at Ronnie every time with the draw. Mm-hmm. Um I mean a lot of players probably do the same but you can't really call him a bogey player because he's he does it to everyone. But I mean my my win percentage, frame win percentage against him must be very, very no higher than ten percent I wouldn't say. Ridiculous. But, but around the same time, of course, in Gloucester, Paul Mount opened the academy. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's on your doorstep. And I know yeah. Paul, you know, a special person to yeah. you. That was um, a great help to your career, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, the conditions, everything was brilliant. 
so great. I mean, I didn't really like playing there in tournaments because I was coming in on the old system. I think he opened it on the old system. I weren't playing first or second round. I was coming in a bit later. So they needed a couple of days to recover the tables. Then I had to wait a couple of days to play. So I missing, I was missing like lots of days of practice. Um, real tough. But I mean, as like the venue was brilliant. It was great. And back in the day, we had we had all the Welsh boys coming over. Jamie Jones, Michael White, Dan Wells. Um, there were just so many players to play. And, it, and then we had the Chinese there as well. Yu Peng, Gudong, Peng Fai. They were living in Gloucester. And it was just good, you know. It was it was brilliant. And then, obviously, towards the end, because um, he, he, he got rid of the place in the end, sold it. Um, and... The players that were there, like Sam Baird, they were all falling off the tour, mm. and it was difficult for me then to get motivated. You know, going in, mm. but in the end, I ended up on my own. Um, Michael Bosley was there, Dominic was there, but they all went, and I ended up on my own, and it was tough. You know, at that age, going in there trying to put in hours is really difficult. Mm. So now I just it's like I've, I've, Paul's actually got somewhere else for me to play. Um, nice, nice little place, and uh, I'm playing there. But I've had to make an effort now just to try and travel a little bit. Because it's a lot easier. I mean, you can play all day against someone, but when you play on your own, it's tough mm. getting motivated. And Paul, in general, though, Paul is supportive, doesn't he? I mean, he's a great fan of snooker, lo- loves the game. No, he's been brilliant to me, not just like snooker wise, but like um, helped me out, you know? Like house wise and everything else. So, yeah, sadly, I don't really see much of Paul now. I mean, I'm still—he's still there for me, um, but I don't really I haven't spoke to him for a long time. But um, you know, if ever I need him, he's like the one. One of there's, there's a couple of people that I can turn to, and Paul's Paul's definitely one of them. You know. Tell me about you beat Neil Robertson a couple of times at the Crucible, you know, and obviously every tournament's important, but that's the one you know is on the radar. It's like Wimbledon's on now. Ten, you know, people are watching yeah. tennis suddenly. Yeah. So, what were those days like? You know. The, the, Big wins. He always he always goes there as one of the favourites, but mm. you, you turn him over twice there. Well, I, I, look, the first time I played him, I was a bit fortunate. Really, I think he was burnt out. It was a long season. Didn't play well. I didn't play well. He didn't play well. Um, he missed the boat. I think he went five two up or something. He missed the boat anyway. I got back to five four, and the match just turned. But it wasn't it wasn't a great match. Um, in the second match, I played right against him. The next time I beat him, I played quite well. Um, felt like he, he's beaten me in a lot of big tournaments mind me. he's beaten me in like semis of Wushi uh, Masters he's beaten me a lot lot of times he's beaten me as many times as I beat him um, but I, when, when you play someone who's as good as him and you've got a record that's not not that bad against someone it gives me confidence you know um, obviously I, I still don't want to draw him I mean if I if I got to a crucible this year I, he'd be one of the last people I'd want to draw um, but yeah, just horses to courses sometimes, you know, and just the way it goes. And psychologically, it makes a big difference. Mm. Uh, Let's talk about last season, Rob, because it was um, a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, you've gone to Gibraltar. I think you've won three matches all season. Yeah. Um, there was no logical reason why you should win the tournament, but you know, you've been knocking on the door. You've been in semi-finals before. Um, just tell us about that. Obviously, Turkey beforehand yeah. was the other side. That was the the low mm. point. Within a couple of weeks, you've won a tournament. I mean, can, yeah. can you explain how that all happened? Well, do you know what? Every every single tournament, I, I sort of think to myself, is this going to be the one? Mm. I mean, I don't know if all players 
think that, but I do think that when I get there, sometimes, like I say about the self-belief and that, it doesn't work out that way, but um, I'd have no actual expectations in that tournament, you know, like you say, after Turkey and that, I was just thinking of trying to win the first match, pick up the two grand to try and get get by it, you know, until hold out until the world. Mm. Um, of course, I won the first match, and then, like, second, third, fourth, fifth, you're playing for a grand each time, don't really, it's not massive pressure on me. I had a decent draw, really, to get through. I think I fairly, fairly good, but obviously I played Mark Allen, who's t- always tough, you know, and I played well against him, really. I mean, from... 3-1 down, I won a black ball game and it just turned and I made a good break in the last and that might have been that might have been the one that just kicked it for me and uh, yeah, it's just amazing I, I, even in the final, I was absolutely I was knackered I, I, I had two hours wait for the final and I weren't enough time really because you, you, you've been to Gibraltar you know what it's like The ven, now the venue is it's better to play out, but it's a bit further out. So getting back to there's not really enough time in between, and um, I'm not good at playing a lot of matches in a day anyway because I don't practice that long. Um, so I was knackered, and then against Cairo, and I mean, just funny how it goes, isn't it? I mean, the first frame I break off late in the blue, he makes a break, I've done a good clearance, yeah, and then before I know, I'm two 0 three 0 and then obviously I start like twitching because that's this is my big chance now to actually win win the tournament which we all want to do isn't it win one ranking event fantastic you know um, and in the end just fell over the line really but yeah I just couldn't believe it just still don't really believe it now but I'm sort of sinking in there, you know. What was it like when, you know, they handed the trophy over? I mean, that's what everyone dreams of. We saw it with Mark King and Anthony Hamilton. They waited a long time for that moment. Suddenly yeah. it's your moment. Yeah, well, the best part of it was the last couple of balls when I'd won it. I mean, that was the... I didn't even know where to look. I had Ben Ancorn there as well and Jimmy. They, they'd come down to watch me, um, to watch the last bit. I think they'd been knocked out in the... Uh, well, not Ben out earlier in the, that day. Jimmy, they've been somewhere and they come down fair face when they come down and I'll give Ben a big hug and that was you know, that was brilliant for me that bit and obviously lifting the trophy. I mean after that it's all brilliant, isn't it? And then you've got the interviews, you don't mind you don't mind doing all the interviews once you've won a tournament. Um yeah, just amazing. And also, I mean you mentioned earlier about this thing of people watching but in this instance they're watching a good thing happening. They're watching you win, which is yeah. pretty special for you. Yeah, very special. You know? forget it's about the people at home really though you know the ones who've um, been with me for the whole journey you know like you say Paul mate uh, I've got a couple of friends well they're family to me Dean and Mandy um, just they're the ones really uh, a couple of others you know I, I said about people who have lost and all that you know just for all for them you know they, they, they're the ones that deserve it as much as me or you know, anyone else but yeah great but the most remarkable thing Rob is it happened after Turkey where you, you enjoyed your birthday a bit too much shall we say yeah. you know and, and you were suddenly in the, in the media and so on I mean yeah. to bounce back like that incredible really it was only like a couple of weeks wasn't it yeah I mean uh, just made a fool of myself didn't I? I don't really know what happened to Sartre. my head wasn't very good I'm not saying it's brilliant now but uh, I mean I wasn't in a great place um and messed up completely. 
But yeah, I mean, I actually played well in that tournament. <laughs> I played the next, not the next day, but the day after I played Ding. I played so well. I had, two, I had broken ribs. I weren't, obviously, I was still probably a bit shaky from the drink. I went forward and up against him, and then it, he played so well to come back. I was a bit disappointed to lose. Um, but yeah, I mean, having to apologise to everyone going down. I've done all the right things, you know, I tried to, after that, you know, the following day I've made all, I've done everything that I think I should have done, you know, very apologetic to everyone. They was all right with me, you know, the sponsors, everything, they were fantastic, because they could have kicked me out of the tournament. Um, even, you know, the Berkshire and uh texted me this morning, you know, like, he went, that was one of the main sponsor. I mean, he, he texted me after the game and he said, uh, what did Robin, uh, proud of you, do you know what I mean? So it meant a lot, you know, mm-hmm. knowing that I didn't really, I didn't really damage the tournament in the end, mm-hmm. although it could have happened. I mean, the way it was and it finished, the way Judd finished with the maximum, it was a fantastic tournament. And, and you know, I'll be going back there next year, hopefully, and uh, I won't, won't be attending the open ceremony. <laughs> I think the, the thing is, Rob, I think people understand that you haven't gone there like a millionaire footballer, you know, just sort of not, not caring about anybody. You have problems, you know, off yeah. table. people have real lives. Mm. And maybe that affected you, your behaviour. You, you did apologise. And I think people were genuinely happy to see you win a tournament. Yeah, because they, so, rec- they right, recognise yeah. that life is a roller coaster. You have ups yeah. and downs. You had a down there. People were genuinely pleased to see you have enough. Did you did you sort of feel that there was great within the sport? There was a great reaction to you winning. Yeah, I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, well, that's the feeling I get. I mean, you know, you're, you're gonna, always going to get the old one who don't really want you to win. But yeah, I mean, that's, that was the feeling I I got as well. And um, yeah, like I said, just it was just amazing. It was just unbelievable that I won Gibraltar two weeks, literally the lowest point in my career to the highest in a matter of two weeks. I've been pro for 26 or 27 years or whatever. Mm. You know, it was a crazy, crazy old couple of weeks that was. Mm. Um, but it won't be happening again anyway. Like I say, it was just a mistake. And I, do you know what? I, the thing is, I went there. I went to the opening ceremony. I, I never had one drink. I got to the bar, and before I know it, it was my birthday, yeah. Everyone, like, give me these gins, gins. I didn't even know where I was. I didn't even know what I was doing, Dave. That's the honest truth. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, if if I did, that would make it real bad for me. But because I was completely out of it, I sort of obviously there's no f- excuse. Mm. But you know, I don't. No, I don't really want to talk about that. No, of course. It, yeah. It's... But in general, I mean, snooker is a very intense game. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, you're talking to someone. Is it, do you think that will help in terms of the, the playing career, the fact that you can go and speak to someone about any problems you might have? Because not everyone does that, you know, and, and I think people do it more now than they used to. Mate, it was mad, right? So, I've realised that I weren't in a good place, so Neil Tompkins, who was brilliant, um, he said this sporting chance, you know, we can get, get hold of them and uh, put you in for a few sessions. And this lady, uh, not far from where I live, actually, uh, I went and spoke to her, lovely lady. Um, but I was actually opening up to her things that I've told people. Nobody else knows, um, but top side told you. Nobody else knows these things that I was holding in, like, and, and I was letting, speaking to her about it. Um, 
mainly to do with um, my mum's death, a couple of things like that. And you know, it's just like massive weight. Yeah. Like, can't explain it really. Massive weight off my shoulders. So maybe I have some. Well, I'm no doubt it did have something to do with it. Maybe, maybe went there knowing that I've not not freedom, you know. Mm. Well, in terms of like this season, we're starting out. You're 27 in the world, so things have turned around. Helped by that big yeah. win. What are your sort of immediate goals now? Because you know, it looked like you might be off the tour. You could have been in Q school. You look pretty safe now. So what are you? What are your sort of immediate goals? I uh, just I haven't really got any. Mm. So truth, I'm just playing every match as it comes. Uh, like I say, I mean, winning the tournament's massive. Um, and I haven't got that sort of uh, stigma like attached anymore. It's all gone now. It's done. Um, so anything's a bonus now. You know, if I get to, into that position again, quarters, semis. I mean, uh, the times I got there before, I, I never really played that great anyway. Like a lot of games, I've won games where I am no, I haven't played well. But the semis, I mean, I, I up to six semis, I I played good players in all of them, but didn't didn't perform at all. Maybe, maybe this, you know, after winning that, might be might might um, be a bit of, bit of a different story. You know, I might actually uh, relish a chance to get to a final again and and, and push on. Mm. You know? But we just have to wait and see. Mm. And finally, have you enjoyed being a snooker player? Because I suppose there are steadier jobs you could have, but they probably yeah. wouldn't have been as exciting. No, it's been great. It's been a great journey. Um, people I've met. Um, easy, easy life, really. It's not, the practice is not, you know, when you're stuck on your own, it's not great. But, come on, I mean, could could be a brickie or something like that, couldn't you? You know, hard graft. I, I mean, snooker's just been great. And the places I've travelled, like miss China so much you know the last couple of years I mean all those times that I used to think oh now I've got to get on a plane go there again because we used to do it quite a lot of, yeah. lot of, lot of journeys like five or six times a year and I was thinking the other day I'd just love to be there now I'd love to go out and play there um, but yeah some great places I've been to Hong Kong Australia you know even Bendigo I love Bendigo I used to love going there long journey but just yeah, been been a fantastic roller coaster of a ride, really. Yeah. yeah, it's not over yet. That's the thing. No, it's not over yet. I'm still still here at the moment. So yeah, we will see what happens in the future, innit? Brilliant. Well, thanks, Robin. Well, I know a lot of snooker fans they, they, at the time they said it, but it, it's true now that they were really happy to see you win that tournament, and hopefully it's the first of a few more as well. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Yeah, cheers, 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 cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.